the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Rob Black, weekday mornings from 10 to noon on Talk 910 KNEW. You, your money, your life, your dreams. The answers are here. This is Rob Black. It's the Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial as I'm wont to do. Call in show. It's 800 345 Get your calls in the air. It's 800 345 Get your calls in the air. CFP Chad Burton's going to be here in about 15 minutes in the house talking financial planning issues. We'll talk a little senior citizens and gifts and inheritance. We'll talk some other issues as well. Tomorrow is the big show. Today's okay, but tomorrow's the big show. Tomorrow is the Real Estate Palooza show where I'm going to get a real estate agent. I'm going to have a mortgage broker, a mortgage lender, a real estate uh, continuing education teacher, all in studio. And uh, it's not going to be like a battle royale, but it's going to be two hours of talking real estate. So it should be entertaining and interesting, to say the least. Have your real estate questions prepped for that tomorrow. Friday, I'm going to be doing a resource show. I'm not talking resource like gold and, you know, pickaxes and things like that. I'm talking resources as in financial websites, financial news sites, um, resources that, you know, you can educate yourself a little bit on. I think there's nothing sexier in the world than financial education. Okay. Okay. Well, a couple things are sexier than financial education. I can think of a couple, uh, but I think honestly, learning about money and learning about the, the, the financial issues, the news of the day, I think it keeps me young, and uh, I, I love my job. And, you know, I can't imagine what my next job's going to be. It'll probably be serving drinks or, you know, coaching Little League soccer or something along those lines because those are things that I love to do as well. Um, I've been gifted in this planet that I've been able to uh, do exactly what I want it to do for be- the better part of the last 15 years. Now, keep in mind, that I was a miserable kid. I was a lonely kid. Um I wasn't wearing leg braces, but pretty darn close. I wasn't much beloved, if you know what I'm saying. So my adult life, I've truly, truly appreciated and enjoyed. Anyhow, um, let's talk about what we're seeing out on Wall Street today. First hour, I always try to dedicate towards the news of the day. What's happening in the stock market? Keep in mind, the stock market beats the real estate market on a 10-year period of time on a 20-year period of time, on a 30-year period of time, on a 40-year period of time. It just doesn't do it necessarily on a one-year period of time. We're as a nation with ADD, so we believe in what I would refer to as the church of what's working now. So we tend to flock towards that. We forget the big picture. I want you to get wealthy by buying stocks. I want you to get wealthy by buying bonds, and I want you to get wealthy by accumulating real estate. Now, the average person shouldn't really get too much exposure to real estate because of the leverage that's involved in the process. But after you get up to about a million dollars, yeah, you can go out and get a rental. But before then, I think it's biting off more than you could chew. Anyhow, let's talk about the markets. Uh, market takes a seat in the waiting room today. What is this boy talking about today? Uh, we are in the waiting room. If you need a reminder, the market's not going to go down easily. You were given one yesterday. 
Ultimately, volley of buying interest in the late afternoons. There's trillions of dollars sitting on the sidelines, and people want in. They see the stock market go up 15% in the month of July. That's unheard of. Well, 15% in the last four weeks. And they want, they want, they want, they want, they need, they need. It's their precious. They feel like they have to chase it. So yesterday there was a a volley of buying interest. I know the market's poised for a correction. I know the market at some point in time is going to go a little bit lower. I don't know when it's going to happen. Because there's that trillion dollars sitting on the sidelines saying, I want, I want, I want. And it's a junkie. And, you know, if you've ever watched reality shows with junkies involved, they're, they're not going to be playing with reason. So, um, and there's junkies involved here. People want. So, uh, there wasn't a lot of flow to yesterday's trading, and there certainly wasn't a lot of volume. We're about 13% below the normal volume in the last 50 days. So, people are just sitting on the sidelines. It's summer. Thinking about the beach. Market wasn't simply spinning its wheels, though, awaiting potential trading catalysts. The FOMC, the Fed Open uh, Market Committee, uh, basically meeting Wednesday. So we're going to get economic data just crazy. We got productivity numbers today that we'll talk about maybe. I find productivity numbers to be a little bit on the boring side. And since I want to be sexy and fun and financially fit, I don't really want to talk productivity unless I have to on this show. We got a $23 billion 10-year note sale on Wednesday, i.e. work financing our debt. And we hope that buyers are out there, you know, willing to give us cash for our debt. If it goes poorly, it says, hey, well, maybe we're sinking closer into um, a true collapse, so to speak. The earnings headlines have slowed considerably. We're hitting the tail end of earnings season. Applied Materials is one of the few remaining tech heavyweights that has yet to report, and they are going to report tonight. That's so funny. I still do some East Coastisms. On the East Coast, you would say they're going to report tonight because they're reporting at 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock. Uh, but here it's 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock. So they're going to report today after the market closes. So I do have some East Coast boy left in me, so to speak. Now, the indication uh, right now is that we continue to get late-day rallies, but the highs are tougher to come by. So it's a, kind of a market correction, even if it's not happening, so to speak, because we're not pushing higher. Okay, let's see uh, what we got as far as market data for the day. It's not coming up. Even just to say, there it is. Okay, the Dow's down 103. That's down about 1%. The Nasdaq's down 27. That's down about 1.3%. The S&P 500's down 13 points. It's sitting at 993. So we're starting to get a little bit of that correction going. A couple days of a little bit uh, weaker action. So let's talk about some other issues out there. Uh, year-over-year increase in non-farm business productivity. Up 1.8%. See, I can't make that in. I just can't make that into sexy. As much as I want to, I just can't do it. So I I can't even talk about compensation and wage inflation. It's just not there today. I'm just not feeling the financial sexy. So far, I can tell you this, though. Here's some financial spin and some financial data and some financial insight that you're not going to get anywhere else. Um, So far, August has given us what we'd expect, ultimately. We've had five sessions of low volume. And that's not good. Now, on those five sessions of low volumes, people are placing bets. And we're seeing financials lead the market. Now, I typically like to see financials lead the market, but for a different reason right now why we're seeing financials lead the market. Banks, brokers, insurance companies, and REITs, they're considered financial companies. So REITs, there's a big, uh, you can follow REITs as a group. If you look at the ticker symbol ICF or IYR, it's tied towards real estate. So if you want to see how real estate is 
being clumped in Wall Street's eyeballs, go punch in the ticker symbol IYR. So up 10% so far in the month of August. Are you kidding me? Up 10% so far in the month of August. Banks have been right behind up about 9%. So the entire financial sector, IYG, it comes in next, followed by insurance. You basically get the idea here, right? Now, just below the insurance names come the home builders, ITB and XHB. And I don't think that's a coincidence. What's happening right now in this financial push higher, it's really tied towards real estate. And people are saying loud and clear that they think the real estate downturn is just flat over. It's done. It's finished. I don't buy into that. And I don't think it's a good idea to argue with the market. But also, I don't buy into the whole fact that real estate's done. You don't put in a bottom on one month of data. One thing I'm convinced of is the futility of speculating on higher real estate prices anytime soon. I'm just not going to play that game. The point is, the inventory numbers that are out there in real estate don't even come close to capturing the true weight of supply that's out there or that will come back online as soon as prices try to rebound. The so-called, what's called shadow inventory of real estate, it's essentially made up of all those homes that people want to sell, but they've been pulled off the market until the market, quote-unquote, comes back. I've seen numerous of those houses. It's a common theme in real estate, downturns, and ultimately it explains why they tend to last much longer than downturns in other markets. Average stock market, bear market is 18 and a half months. The average real estate downturn is seven to 10 years. I'm telling you, no one else is going to give you this kind of data. It's a problem brought about by low transaction liquidity. There's just not enough transactions to wash the system clean fast enough. That being said, I believe the market is only saying that the crisis related to the falling real estate prices is probably over. And I tend to agree with that. Now, let's talk about some of the other headline news that is out there today. Oh, 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 oh. before I go anyway, before I go any further, I want to mention this whole cash for clunkers things. First and foremost, I hate it. I hate that we've decided, you know, the auto industry gets the uh, the rebate for the consumer. And then the consumer goes $30,000 in debt, which they don't need at this point in time, especially not in a recession. that's not going to end anytime soon um, or a jobless recovery. That's just the jobs aren't going to come roaring back. So a lot of people are buying these clunkers and they're going to lose their job in the next couple of months and they're not going to be able to pay for their new car and they're going to ruin their credit report even further and they're going to go even further in debt and they're going to basically have to work longer in their life. Thank you, President Obama and United States Congress. So with that said, people are buying new cars. So officially, if you own names like O'Reilly Automotive or AutoZone or Advanced Auto Parts or Genuine Parts Company, these are companies that make parts for used cars, uh, give up give up on those names in large part there was an investment theme this time last year where we're like people are hurting they're not buying new cars they're continuing to get their cars fixed at the at the shop well this cash for clunkers thing basically pushed everyone's old cash uh, clunkers out, out the door you know what clunker program i'd like to have is business jets i'd like to be able to turn in my business jet and get a, a forty-five thousand dollar rebate on a brand new business jet or you see where i'm thinking i mean that's why i don't like the whole cash for clunkers things it's just encouraging debt for poor people or uh, not poor people. Eh, it's just encouraging debt for the American consumer. Okay, home prices. A, a little bit of a, a piece of data out there today. The value of U.S. homes fell about 12.1% in the second quarter. Second quarter is, well, you know, January, February, March. So April, May, June. So April, May, June, we got the date duh, out there. And it basically 12.1% year over year. Now, stabilization of the hard housing market is not yet in view. You got mounting foreclosures. You have high level of underwater mortgages still posing threats of people just walking away. U.S. home values posted their 10th consecutive quarterly decline. That's two and a half years. Average U.S. home, 
Wait for it. Wait for it. What do you think the average U.S. home is selling for right now? $186,000. Does that make you just want to vomit in your mouth? If you, if you recently bought in the Bay Area? Oh. So the report that came out today hit 161 metropolitan areas, and it covers you know value changes in all homes, not just those that have recently sold. Home values in the first quarter had fallen 12.4%. So we fell 12.1% in the second quarter, 124 in the first. Now, some idiots are going to be like, hey, that's pretty good. So stress signals that are tracked in this report ultimately suggest that most U.S. metropolitan area prices have not yet hit bottom. Now, people can get encouraged by the number of increasing sales in many markets and the overall improvement in the rate of decline. I hesitate for you to be overly optimistic. Foreclosure resales are buoying overall sales numbers, and their low prices are keeping home values down. Now, sales of previously foreclosed homes account for 22% of all home sales sold nationally in the United States in the month of June. So that's pretty crazy, right? 29% of homes sold for less than their original purchase price. People are selling the asset upside down. And I think the increasing unemployment and high rates of negative equity basically going to spur even more foreclosures. I get emails every day from people who are $100,000, $400,000 upside down in their home and they ask me what they should do. Oh, and by the way, I get the most offensive, most wonderful offensive email where uh, someone had $200,000 of credit card debt. Okay? $200,000 of credit card debt. Think about that for just a freaking fracking moment. Okay? And uh, the guy's dad decided to give him, you know, early inheritance. And the person said, you know, what, what should we do? And I said, go bankrupt and then take that $200,000 dad's going to give you and use that as your investment. Don't pay off the debt. I, that's what, I, that's beer talk, you know? That's not, that's not stuff that you're going to, of course, every good moral American citizen is going to say, well, you should pay off your credit card debt because you got into the trouble, so you might as well get out of it. Well, in, in this case, it was a lot of business debt, too. Now, bankruptcy laws are there for you. And I play by the rules. If they're there, they're there. So my advice to this person was, you know, look, they're in their 50s. They have nothing except for $200,000 of debt. Dad's basically going to be their their lifeline and pay off their credit card debt. And that's part of the early inheritance. Now, there's more money than that $200,000 dad is dishing out. But A, it's terribly inefficient to, you know, gift someone $200,000 because the tax on that is ridiculous. Um, unless you you know, estate plan it correctly. Second, I don't know, what would you do if you were to give, be given $200,000 of credit card debt, but then you have a rich relative that's willing to give you $200,000 to pay it off, but then you also have nothing to show for your life at age 50, 55? I don't know. I'm thinking bankruptcy and then restart over with that money later in life. That's just me. So half Topic change. Now, how, how inappropriate is this for a topic change? I don't know how to do a topic change, so I just go, half of all solar panels made this year won't be installed in 2009. Okay, 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 okay. Think about that for a second. What's that tell you? If you've been a true Rob Black listener, you know that that means there's going to be too much supply and prices are going to fall. You want to stay away from solar stocks. Half of all solar panels made this year won't be installed in 2009. So, anyhow. Let's head to break. When we come back, we should have CFP Chad Burton on air. Hey, that's Chad Burton. We uh, I will be taking your phone calls eight hundred three four five five six three nine. It's eight hundred three four five five six three nine. If you want to drop me an email for Chad, you can email me rob at robblack dot com, or you can call the show eight hundred three four five five six three nine. 
And on further note, tomorrow, Real Estate Palooza. So get your real estate questions up and going. And Friday, I'm going to do a resource show. Good financial news, financial resources for you. 800-345-5639. I'm going to jump on the live blog, 910kenew.com, and interact with my peeps there for a couple of minutes. Father, where's his Sunday best? Mother's tired, she needs a rest. The kids are playing up downstairs. Sister's saying in her sleep. Brother's got a date to keep you coughing around. Rob Black is watching your wallet live and local. Call 1-800-345-KNEW. With my mind on my money and my money on my mind. I heard you crying loud. Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. On occasion, I do digress. Heidi brought me a cookie today. Pretty good cookie. So it was a chocolate chip cookie, but she wrapped it up in foil, so it kind of scared me. So I got to my, uh, I guess, radio desk, is or the air chairs, I like to say, and there's this aluminum foil wrapped thing. And at one point in time, this woman named Blue brought me fudge and aluminum foil to Cron Television, and Cron basically had to call the bomb squad because they didn't know what the was in the foil. So I get nervous when I see foil. Just a little Pavlovian response that I have. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639. Bring in Certified Financial Planner, Chad Burton. Chad Burton, how are you? Great. I was going to bring you a watch wrapped in aluminum foil, but I think the ticking would scare you now. Not funny. <laughs> sometimes sometimes you, you do good. Sometimes you don't do <laughs> that, so that was a, that, okay, All right. Sorry. Okay, I'll that, try harder next time. That was just, you, you fell flat. <laughs> You remind me of those kids in third grade that didn't have the trapper keeper. You'd have one of those like <laughs> trapper just, keeper. <laughs> yeah, you'd have one of those like faux trapper keepers that Rite Aid would sell or right. Walgreens would sell. And I had the trapper keeper. You can't play with the big boys and be funny, Chad. I know. I, you got to bring it strong. The microphone. How did you know I didn't have a real trapper keeper? That's what I want to know. <laughs> I know. I think about everything. Anyway, um, certified financial pl- planner Chad Burton. Chad, how are you doing today? Good. Doing well. Uh, on the live blog, someone's asking about their mobile home and mm. prefabricated home is the nice way of saying it. Um, yep. What's your thoughts on it's? They're trying to tie it into real estate. It's really not real estate because you don't own land. You rent land. Right. So, well, I mean, you can get a pre-manufactured house and get it on land. But when you're dealing with the park, I tell you what, um, you know, it, uh, my grandfather got me into this business, um, you know, sold annuities and things like that at banks for years before I came and we turned into fee-based financial planning. But um, one of the dumbest things that he ever did, and it was actually buy a manufactured home in a park, in an over 55 park. And I think the one regret that he had in life before he passed was that mobile home in the park. And you walk into it, it looks like a, a nice house. I mean, it was really well put together. If it was sitting in on land, it would look like a normal house. But they never owned the land. They had the constant you know, dealing with the monthly payments. Um, they sold a big chunk of what was supposed to be green space behind them and um, basically turned it into almost like a rock quarry. So every day they would wake up to hammering and dust. It was awful. It was terrible. It was extremely hard to sell after my grandfather died and my grandmother had to go into a nursing home for, with uh, dementia. Uh, it was it was a financial disaster for him. 
okay, and I'm going to just say it flat out, mobile homes are not investments. No, it, it's a depreciating asset, and it's it, it's harder to maintain than a normal stick-built house, too. Is that right? Um, it's, I don't know, it's just, they, they just end up not aging well. I like that you said stick-built. That's cute. You like that? Yeah, so it reminds me of the three little pigs. <laughs> So one built a house out of sticks, one built a house out of hay, and one built a house out of bricks. Is that how that story went? Yeah, I think so. There's a big bad <laughs> wolf. So there was a Cheech and Chong version of it that was a little bit different. Like the, the kids would pee on the toilet, so the mom and dad pig moved across the street because the kids weren't allowed to cross the street. So ultimately, big bad wolf came and ate two of the kids, and third one stuffed a sock down his throat and killed him because he never changed his socks. That's a <laughs> Cheech and Chong comedy bit from like 1975. I don't even remember that one. I don't even know why I know that. <laughs> so I'm embarrassed to say it. Okay. Um, off topic. Let's talk yeah. productivity numbers. In the first 15 minutes of the show, Chad, I talked about, I don't really want to talk productivity numbers because they're just not sexy. Mm-hmm. It's, it's tough. We're going to lose the 25-year-old who's listening to the show. Well, I think you have to, if you do it in terms of what your expectations are for real estate, I think that's going to perk up some more ears in the okay, Bay Area. Okay, okay. okay. I'm, now I'm listening. All right. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, the numbers that you're talking about is the Labor Department said that productivity rose at a higher than expected 6.4% annual rate in the second quarter. So what that means is, is that people are getting more work out of the workers that are still remaining on the job force. All right. But at the same time, and that means people are working harder to keep their jobs, basically. Um, we, we're seeing unemployment creep up, and yet labor costs fell 5.8%. That's the deepest slide since the last recession in 2001. Um basically what this is telling me is when you look at real estate and we're, we're seeing signs of bottoming, but we're only seeing one or two months worth of data that shows it, it bottoming. And people are, I've, people have been asking, you know, well, is now the time to go out and buy some land, some real estate? Should I pull money out of stocks and bonds and do that? And you got to ask what makes real estate go up in value in the long run? Wage inflation. Okay, okay. You know what I mean? And yeah. so all of this is telling me we're having more of a jobless recovery. People are working harder to keep their jobs. And wages are not going up. Because why would they when you've got you know unemployment approaching 10% and you don't have to pay your workers more? You just get – right now companies are just squeezing more out of their existing workers. And ultimately, because we're squeezing more out of our current workers – our hourly work week, Chad, it's right around 33 hours per week on average. Before we add new workers and have to train them and add new workers and have to give them health care and add new workers and have to you know, uh, give them a desk and an operating system and a computer, we're going to squeeze 33 hours up to 34, 35, 36 hours out of the average worker. Does that make sense? Yeah, and we're going to see unit labor costs go up as a result of that. This is all part of the bottoming, though, so the news in the long run is good. I mean, we've got to see these kind of ugly numbers, I guess, before you see better numbers. Um, but don't get excited. I mean, are there good deals in real estate out there? Yeah. I mean, when you can find a property that you can put 20, 30% down on, get a 30 year fixed loan and rent it out for more than what your payments and taxes are, that's going to be a golden deal in the long run in 10 plus years out, but don't expect any kind of a big jump in real estate in the next five years. Now I recently had a moral dilemma question email, and here's the moral dilemma for you, Chad. It was an email that came to me that it was a 55-year-old woman, and her and her husband had run a business, and they run up $200,000 credit card debt. Oh, jeez. Okay. So they have nothing. No retirement plan, no business. The business shut down. They got nothing. Now, his dad is wealthy, and his dad's willing to give him $200,000 to pay off the credit card debt, but it had to pay off the credit card debt. And she said, what would you do? And I said, go bankrupt 
in five, ten years from now, get the, the inheritance from the dad, and there you go. It's a moral question, though. Uh, what would you do in that scenario? Uh, well, yeah, before you can go bankruptcy, you got to make sure that the, the money's not going to come in. Um, you know, if you're if you're talking in your 50s and you've got nothing to show for it, and, and especially if it came from a business that you shut down or something like that, mm-hmm. I, I would go bankrupt because that's your one kind of golden opportunity to get the 200000 get it set right, and concentrate on using some of that 200000 not only to invest, but to further your education so you can make a better living. Because as it is, even with that $200,000 at age 50, 55, you're still going to be working until you're 70, 75 years old. So you better get into a career that's going to allow you to to continue to work. Listener Kelly on the live blog is saying that we're cutting out on the, the live feed, the internet feed, and I'm not sure. Correct. Fixed. Anyhow, anyway, we need to go to break. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639. I'm a jerk, I know. It's Rob Black Show. We're talking with certified financial planner Chad Burton. If you have any financial planning questions, pick up the phone. It's 800-345-5639. Rob Black is watching your wallet, live and local. Call 1-800-345-KNEW. Hey-oh. 800-345-5639. Tomorrow I'm doing a real estate show. Mr. Chad Burton, it's Real Estate Palooza. And one of the things I'm going to throw out there is almost one quarter of all U.S. mortgage holders owe more on their homes than it's worth in the second quarter of the United States. And that figure may rise as much as 30% by mid-2010. Job losses and foreclosures are climbing. Negative equity rates going to rise, and it's going to spin off more foreclosures. That's a fact, Jack. How does that make you feel? What's your, what's your, your read on that statement? I, what, long-term on real estate or short-term? Yeah, both. Give it to me like you feel. Short-term, well, short-term, look for deals that you want to buy and hold on to for the next seven to ten years to get through the next cycle. Um, And long-term, yeah, if you can find positive cash flow property, do it in the long-term. But don't stretch yourself thin on your monthly cash flow. You know, learn the lesson from the last decade on over-leveraging. Real estate downturns tend to average seven to ten years because Mm -hmm. it's just not a liquid market. You know, you can't open your newspaper and see, whoa, my house has lost $8,000. Some people do, though. They go to Zillow and, and they look at their, their house on a daily basis. Um, one of them being Heather Donald at Cron. Mm-hmm. She's upside down on her house and she wants to know when it's going to be over. I'm kind of ragging her out or ratting her out, so to speak, and probably shouldn't be doing that. But I just did. <laughs> <laughs> hey, my this life. funny. That's the hour she always listens to, right? Exactly. She's listening this hour right now. She's hearing her name, Heather Donald, Channel 4, Cron, Wonder Woman, news anchor. Uh, but her house is upside down. So... How do we change this mentality, Chad, that a home is an investment? I think a home is a liability, and I disagree with you. I don't think people should be looking at homes at this point in time um, except to live in. Uh, I think there's still more shakeout. I don't think homes put a bottom in a one-month basis. Uh, no, it's, it's typically a you know, minimum one- to three-year bottoming process. 
But a one to three year period, you know, if you're buying a, a decent interest rate, who knows? Let's say real estate prices more bottom three years from now, but interest rates are one or two percent higher. You'll end up paying more over the life of that 30 year fixed loan. So if, if you're willing to hold something that's positive cash flow for 10 plus years, I think it's a great time to go out and look and buy. But you've got to be financially ready to do this. You've got to have your emergency reserve set up. You've got to have at least a year's worth of uh, income saved in your taxable accounts, you know, whether that's index funds or whatever it may be. And you've got to be saving 10 to 15% of your pay pre-tax into 401ks before you venture out into getting into rental properties. You know, you, you can't do it without a bunch of cash on the sidelines because you're going to deal with you know, vacancy issues and a, and a crazy renter that steals your toilet, that kind of stuff. Have you ever had a crazy renter steal your toilet? I haven't yet, but I'm just waiting because I've heard so many horror stories about it. I t- I've told you my horror rental story. I think uh, North Carolina rental property, a uh, young couple, they qualify. And, you know, I'm a sucker for romance. And the, the property management company said, you know, young couple, uh, they just got engaged and, um, you know, the dad's a priest. Her dad's a priest. I'm like, he's going to co-sign. Like, I got God on my side. This can't go bad, right? <laughs> right. It went bad. Within a month, she leaves because uh, he basically is delusional. And he thinks, like, the people are out to get him. And the sheriff is, you know, stuffed bodies in the, the trunk. And you can't commit suicide and put yourself in a trunk. And he's calling me at all hours. And talking about he's emailing me at all hours and he's talking about how like you should sell your oil investments because oil's going to zero because he's working on alternative energy and it's going to change the world. And, um, I found out that like they had only been, they had only met each other about a week before and got engaged. So she was just as freaking crazy as he was. Crazy people find each other and just make even crazier kids. <laughs> you know, a couple of those, don't you? <laughs> yeah. So you know, any kids that have to wear uh, leashes, do you think leashes should be, uh, Good or good, good or bad idea. On oh, they're bad. I see those too. When we went to Disney World, it was like all these kids were wearing these backpacks that were made out of animals, and yeah. they had a leash tied to it. And the kids like a dog trying to run around. Like, <laughs> so you don't, don't you don't don't take your kid out yet if it's if you gotta put it on a leash. It's not ready to leave the house. Don't refer to a kid as an it. That's that's shameful, Chad. <laughs> if you have to put it. Okay. Oh, okay. My kids sometimes they're its. I once was in an airport. I know you're saying you left home. Yeah, I know. It's surprising. But yeah, I did. And this family, they had like 10 kids. And what they did was they all wore super red uh, soccer jerseys and they numbered the kids 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. So the parents could follow the kids and see like, where's number seven, where's number six, and where's number five. I thought that was a pretty good system if you have a lot of children and can't possibly. At least it was a soccer shirt, not like a Hawaiian shirt with everybody wearing the same Hawaiian shirt. You know you're kind of a dork if you go on vacation and your entire family's wearing the same shirt. So just if you are listening and you think that's cool, it's not really. Most people think that's really lame. I can top that, Chad. If you send out Christmas cards where you're all wearing Santa hats. (laughs) Lame family. Lame. Lame family. Okay, with that said, let's get back to your content. Um, let's talk about dad just got remarried for the past 15 years and wants to split his estate at death, house and some income to second wife, other half of assets directly to his kids, second wife dies, house and money to the kids. Uh, let's talk about this nuclear family world that we're living in. Not right. just one you know, marriage, two marriages, three marriages. Kids get stuck with a first wife. Man wants a hot, sexy new wife. Uh, a hot, sexy new wife wants his money because that's why she married a 60-year-old man. She's 30 because of the money. Mm-hmm. Um, how does this play out in your world of financial planning? 
Well, the when I got this question, actually, the, the age of this person right now is 80 years old. So it's 65. They got remarried 15 years ago, so 65 years old. And they've got all this planning in their head, right? And, and he, the dad has told the kids this is what he wants to do. And he's been together with his new wife for 15 years. So if in this 15-year period he would have died, right, the new wife would have received everything, especially if he dies without a will. The new wife would have received everything. Because if you die without a will, it says it's going to go to your spouse. If your spouse isn't alive, it's going to go to your kids. Um, I mean, the state has a will for you if you don't write it yourself. So this this lady who actually ended up to be, she's a little bit off kilter. She actually is living in one of the homes. So they're kind of married but separated. And her kids are just a, a total wreck. So dad would have died. All the assets would have gone directly to the kind of the wacky new wife. And once she died, it would have gone to her kids. And the guy's kids would have been, if he even dies today, totally, totally cut out of inheritance altogether. And it would have gone to the other family. So this is a situation where you, you get remarried. You're trying to protect the assets for your children. You, one of the first things you do before you even get married is sit down, do a living trust, you know, itemize what's separate property and where you want that separate property to go. And then you can write in other things so you can take care of the second uh, the, the second wife if you pass away. Sounds complicated. That's why people need people like you. Right. I mean, because you can live. If, if, if What this guy really wants is he wants the spouse to live in the house and have income if he dies now until she dies. But then he wants those assets to go to the kids too. So what you do is you can set it up so that the home gets left in what's called a Q-tip trust. Okay. Um, and the house, uh, stays in that the, the, the spouse has the right to live in it until they die. And then after that, it's going to go to his children without being contestable. So you've got to set this up prior to marriage. Um, especially if you already have kids and you want to protect your kids. I mean, it just blows me away, Rob, how many people get remarried when they know in their hearts, they want the assets to go to the kids from the first marriage. Okay. 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 I have a question for you. Mm Mm-hmm. Which would you rather be? If you were a woman, would you rather be a 30-year-old hottie married to a 60-year-old with millions and millions and millions of dollars, or you'd rather be a 30-year-old hottie married to a 30-year-old dude who's good-looking but makes 60000 a year? <laughs> it's a moral dilemma. How much potential does this uh, 30-year-old None. dude have? None. He's just a loser. He's tapped out. Hmm. Uh, the evil Rob Black sitting on my shoulder says, marry the 60-year-old and have an affair with the 30-year-old. <laughs> marry the 60-year-old and feed him bacon is the right answer. You, <laughs> you messed up. Lots of makers marking bacon. That's right. 800-345-5639. Each calls in the air. Which would you do? It's Rob Black's show with Chad Burton Day, certified financial planner Chad Burton, sitting in 800-345-5639. Um, not this Thursday, but the following Thursday. We're going to be doing an event in Los Gatos Retirement Boot Camp. It's for retirees. It's for people approaching retirement, wealthy people, how to preserve your wealth in retirement. That's what Chad does really, really, really well. You can find out more about Chad at chadburton.com. You can find more about the seminar at robblack.com. Take a break here. We'll be back with more CFP Chad Burton. Take a look, it's on display for you. Coming down on not today. Did you meet your fortune Get it off with no Nine ten KNEW, helping you make sense of the complicated world of money and finance. This is Rob Black. It's Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Let's jump to a phone call. I've got certified financial planner Chad Burton with me. Sarah, it's on the line. Sarah. 
there. comment. Okay, go ahead. And um, we didn't have you on air, so restart. Okay. Um, I said, hi, Rob. Hi, Chad. This is a non-financial comment. Okay. Um, uh, you were just talking about having kids on leashes. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to make you guys feel appropriately guilty um, and tell you that my husband has an artificial leg. And when my kids were little... The only way he could take them anywhere by himself, like to a park or something, and not have to worry about them running into traffic or jumping into a pond, was to have them on one of those leashes, because otherwise he couldn't keep up with them. So sometimes, when you see that kind of thing, there really is a good reason. Well, what we were specifically talking about is Disneyland with people without artificial legs. So (laughs) you know what we were trying to say, right? I do, and I can tell you that I am basically a big fan and i can prove it by knowing that your cat is kit kat black that's that's pretty good knowledge let's see let me quiz you on one more thing okay um let's see what's a good trivia question and i actually came to one of your seminars with chad and i'm one of those people you'd like to put in the darwinian wood chipper okay that, that's good that's good knowledge so far good knowledge well, tell us why why did you need to be put in the darwinian wood chipper because I'm 59 years old and I benefit from Proposition 13. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but um, contrary to your stereotype of someone like me, um, we pay tons of taxes. So we're only halfway in the Darwinian wood chipper. I want to put you in the Darwinian wood chipper. I'd make uh, a cupcake out of you myself. <laughs> um, but that's neither here nor there. Okay, okay. One more trivia question for you. Okay. Um, what was the name of my radio show at CNET? Okay. I don't go that far back, but I did always watch you on Cron when you were on at 10 o'clock. Okay, okay, okay. Who was my first co-host on Cron? Oh, on Cron. Oh, it's the lady who's gone on to bigger and better things. <laughs> oh, some people would say I've done <laughs> okay myself. <laughs> I can't remember. Cheryl something? Cheryl Cassoni. Okay. So let me rat her out on something. Did you know that she was a stewardess with Southwest? No, I she did would, not know that. She would kill me for saying that. Well, then she was a cupcake in the sky, you know, speaking of cupcakes. Well, I, I think what my, my transition is, last week I did the 100 Things Rob Black th- Hates. And oh, one, that was a great show. One of them was, um, I hate Melissa Lee and Melissa Francis on CNBC because their financial knowledge is nothing. Right, they're uh, just readers. They're just readers. And, I mean, Melissa Francis worked at t- CNET with me, and she was a tech girl. Um Cheryl Cassoni, she moved on to bigger and better things, Fox Business Network, which has a 0.0 rating. <laughs> oh, and okay, one more thing before I go. You were talking about when you did the um, show geared to people in their 20s. Yeah, yeah. That you wanted to do it for different age groups. Sure. Well, I just wanted to tell you, you are totally and completely out of touch with the, the music for different age groups. Because you were talking about people in my age group, you were going to have Lawrence Welch. <laughs> I can just tell you that my parents, who are now deceased, didn't even listen to Lawrence Welch. That was my grandparents' generation. Coming soon, it's going to be the 60s show dedicated to you, Sarah. No, it's going to not be... even the 60s. We are not that out of touch. If you have kids... Well, for 60-year-old people. And it's going to be all about Lawrence Welch in, in tiny <laughs> bubbles, mini, mini bubbles. So it's coming to you. Anyway, i got to kick you off because you're you're monopolizing my show. Thanks for the call. 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. 
chat. I got an email from Terry. Terry was saying, I was just listening to your show, and I can't believe what I just heard you say. You had a moral dilemma question about a couple who had a $200,000 in credit card debt. Their rich father agreed to give them the money to pay off the debt. Both you and your guest agreed that it would be better for uh, them to go bankrupt and pocket the $200,000. What? This is not helpful. Would you give the same advice if the couple owed you the money? I think not. Please rethink this. Our nation needs people to do the right thing. They made this debt. They need to pay it. I surely do not want to have to pay for it for them with my tax dollars or higher prices to other businesses. But see, here's the kicker. This is where she's wrong. Banks allocate a certain amount of default and a certain amount of losses, and most of these banks are reporting billions and billions and billions of dollars profit. I wouldn't make a loan to someone in a situation where they might default on it. Mm-hmm. I make that decision. Banks charge people who might default a higher rate. They do all the mathematics on this. It's, it's kind of like the actuaries in life insurance. They don't lose, Chad, over time. They know the rules. They know the game. Right. It's ultimately the stockholders, too. And if the bank goes under, the bondholders that are going to pay the price, the trickle-down effect of this. Um, can interest rates go up across the board and everybody pay at that bank? Yeah, definitely. But you're also in a situation where if they don't do something as far as bankruptcy or you know, paying off the debt and investing that money so they can eventually retire, we're all going to be paying for them. Um, part of the TARP issue too that's is right. to help bail out some of these banks. And guess what? That's already my money. Um, it, it is definitely a cash twenty-two. So it is a moral dilemma, um, and that's why I posed it as a moral dilemma. And clearly, Terry has no concept of what a moral dilemma is. Mm. Well, I do have some of the dumbest listeners at times. <laughs> I do. I, I seriously mean that. I said, "Here's a moral dilemma," and then she gets mad at me for saying it's a moral dilemma. No, for you for not saying it, even though you did. It's, it, I don't know. It's this. It's bankruptcy, short sales. There's going to be a big club in America, unfortunately, in the next several years. And I bet within one year there there are going to be banks specializing in dealing with people that had a short sale, getting them loans as long as the rest of their credit's going to be good. That's right. Anyway, eight hundred three four five five six three nine to get your calls in there. Anything you want to mention, Chad? We've got about a minute and a half. What do we need to know? Um, you know, I'd take a look um, at some of the bond ETFs and be a little bit careful there. Um, ETFs are exchange traded funds, so they're basically index funds that trade like stocks. And they're, you know, some of the ETFs out there and just the corporate bond world, the, the you know higher quality corporate bonds. It's LQD, which is an ETF, high yield uh, symbol JNK is one, and, and TIPS, Treasury Inflation Protected Securities. TIP is the symbol for that one. You've had huge fund flows into these areas this year, and almost to levels where you have to be careful. You're at a point now where managing bonds in high yield and tips, you might want to go with the managed approach now that you're kind of past the big jump, the big increase that we've had since October, because some of the bonds you're going to want to sell prior to maturity, and an ETF's not going to do that. They're just going to hold it till maturity. So be careful. Don't get stuck in a, in a bad trade with a bond ETF because trading volumes can swing rapidly and kind of catch you. Sounds good. A couple of uh, live blogs, uh, pretty cute stuff. Uh, Lindsay, who just got a divorce from her husband, uh, was live blogging, and uh, she asked for some advice on her husband had a four had a business and she had a four hundred one k under it, and she wants to do a hardship withdrawal. What's a hardship withdrawal, Chad? In twenty seconds or less. Well, hardship withdrawal allows you to pull the money out um, of the four hundred one k. You're still going to typically pay taxes and a ten percent penalty unless it's for your first home or for education. So just because it's hardship doesn't mean you avoid taxes or penalties. Sounds good. It's Certified Financial Planner Chad Burton's Rob Black Show. Take a break here. We'll be back in about six minutes. I'll be on the live blog, though. Catch me there. Rob Black, weekday mornings from 10 to noon on Talk 910 KNEW. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.